Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Unaware Podcast by B Physiology. So sit back and enjoy this episode of B Stories where we get to chat with Michelle who balances her role as an NDIS support coordinator with being a parent to a child living with a disability. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. First questions that we ask everybody who comes on this podcast is, what is the name of your autobiography? Yeah, I really like this question. Um, the name of my autobiography would be different equals different. And then in little writing underneath, it would say it doesn't equal wrong. Right. Let me think about that. You got it, buddy? I got it. I'm picturing, <laughs> I see maths equations now. I'm like, wrong road, Harry, wrong road. Okay. It's a big title. Different but equals di- different. Yeah. I like that. I'm, that's, I'm that's keen cool. to unpack that. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's a good thing to unpack. Yes. Let's do that first. All right, then. So I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've said that to my kids from when they were little. Um, I used to say it to Grace before Tom was born. And then when Tom was born, he was born with disabilities. Mm. Um, and it actually worked out really, really nicely. Yeah, right. Because yeah. he was different. Yep. And different equal different. It didn't equal wrong. Yeah. So, and that's been such a big part of our lives Mm. and a lot of my philosophy, when I see someone doing something different, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm. Yeah. Just means it's different. Yeah. Mm. That's, I, and that's definitely something that I, I, it's exposure with those type of things I feel as well, because when, when I was, you know, only when I was younger, finishing school, whatever, my, these little things like that wouldn't hit me as nicely as it does today just that feeling of yeah different does equal different mm, you know it does it's, and you don't know until you've met different yeah exactly right yeah yep, you yeah, don't yeah. know and it was something that I'd always said but I didn't realize the validity of it yes yeah. until I actually had someone different in my life and yeah. he's taught us so much mm. so and it was just really good having an older sibling who was she was you know advanced for her age mm-hmm. as a kid um, so she met all her milestones really early, uh, whereas he wasn't. Mm. So it was just like, well, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay because right. it's just different. Yeah, and that okay. explaining it to her, she really understood it, which was good as What's a kid. What's the age difference between? Uh, two years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So not very much. But, mm. you know, differences were like Grace, she sat, crawled and walked at six months old. Right. Which Is that early, Brittany? That's really early. <laughs> That's really early because I come from a child development background. So I was like, right. uh, yeah. okay, you're a freak. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. she was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gee. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's very impatient, my daughter. Impatient? <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Went, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then Tom didn't walk or smile until he was about two. Right. Right. Mm. Wow. That first smile would have... I didn't know smiling was a thing that... uh, It's like its own milestone. It's a real milestone. Yeah. Yeah. So babies normally start smiling at you probably between three and six months. Yep. um, Because they start recognising they can see better. Whereas Mm. Tom didn't have the ability to smile. Right. So I used to try and say to people... I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can make him smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And his sister ended up getting that hundred dollars. Right. Oh no way! Yeah. What do you remember? 
Pardon? Did anything in particular that did it or? I don't think so. I think she was just talking to him one day and she just cracked a funny and went to run at him and he laughed at her. I don't want to ruin Beautiful. that moment for you, but that sounds like a fluke. Uh, <laughs> so I think you just paid a hundred bucks for nothing. I reckon I could pull that off in the I, right moment. I think so. You yeah. try it next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> AJ has all his material. <laughs> he really likes dad jokes at the moment. So oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can't wait to be telling dad jokes at an appropriate age. Yeah, because I'm already into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when the glove fit, fits, you know, it's like yeah. perfect. Yeah. I think that I'm brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I find myself hilarious. So. What about yeah. when people don't laugh at your jokes? So AJ? it doesn't matter. You're I can't tell because I'm laughing yeah. so much. <laughs> He's, he yeah. starts laughing before he tells the yeah, joke. I up can't here. Get it out. Yeah, He's, yeah, he's yeah. always like. Like little chuckle <laughs> in his head, and then he'll say the thing, and you're like, "Yeah." So you know it's uh, good before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You already know that you've got to be laughing, yeah. and so that let down when they don't laugh is really bad. Oh yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah. It has. yeah. You just forget about those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wipe that. Keep going for it. Hundred bucks for me. <laughs> yeah, right. So Michelle, take us back. Uh, what's Ooh. your What's the backstory here? Oh, for me. <laughs> yeah. How far back do you want me to go? As far as you want. Um, I'm the youngest of five kids. Mm. There's a big gap between me and my brothers and sisters. Mm. Um, so it was like I was treated like an adult most of my life. Right. I didn't necessarily have those going out wild days because I had too many parents involved. Right, yeah, yeah. the overarching, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so um, I, I'm not much, much different to what I was then. To tell you the absolute truth, I just have a lot more experience now, yeah, which right. is really good. But I ended up, I wanted to be an architect architect mm-hmm. um but in those days girls couldn't do tech drawing at school and that was a prerequisite for going into architecture what being a boy i i, I had no well oh, yeah well yeah you did have to be yeah, a boy because right. yeah, so. you weren't allowed to do tech drawing as a girl jesus gotcha at my school so i Just know i to paint a picture here <laughs> Michelle changed. isn't 80 years old, okay, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Michelle feels 80 years old. <laughs> um, but no, I'm not. Like, you know, I finished high school in 89. Mm-hmm. So that was in the 80s that girls yeah. still weren't doing boy jobs or boy things. So I did typing and home ec and I did, you know, cooking and yeah, yeah. and making clothes instead of doing tech drawing, which is what I really wanted to do because mm-hmm. I was really into my art. So I did art and film and TV at school and yeah. did really enjoyed that. Um, and then I didn't really know what I wanted to do then, sort of threw me. So I went and did early childhood teaching. So that's that child development background. Yes, cool. Um, and from there, though, I didn't actually do my first year of teaching. Mm. So then I went into business. Right. Okay. So working for other people as a sales rep. Yep. Uh, as manager of different sections of that. Um, regional manager in North Queensland as well for the same company. So, and then I had my kids. So, right. yeah, that was, that's my backstory. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So where's the link between that? Oh, so business was then support coordination and that's like under that umbrella no, there? Or? No, well, when I had, when I had Grace, I stayed um, working as manager of a region. And then when I had Tom, um, because he had a list of issues and we lived in regional Queensland, mm. it was really difficult to manage. It was like we lived in a third world country. Mm. Because I had the child development background, I knew that he wasn't getting the early intervention he needed and they didn't have the resources. There was no nothing. No, no one was called an exercise physiologist. Right. You know, to get into a speech therapist, there was two speech therapists in town servicing 300,000 people. 
So, and Jeez. if we wanted to get support, we were going to have to move back to Brisbane, which is where we'd started from. Right. Yeah. So, and that's what happened. That's what happened. We'd been back and forward from Mackay to Brisbane 10 times um, in the first year of his life. And then Grace was about to start primary school. So we had to make a choice. Yeah, okay. Because we just didn't have the support network. Yep. So it was a good move. And yeah. so when we came back, I became a teacher aide because right. I had the teaching background. Okay. Um, so I worked with children with special needs. Awesome. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, great. I've got very fond memories of going to the school that we went to. We had the, op- uh, the opportunity to get into some special schools and help out with stuff. You know, it was, it was one day... Uh, fortnight for a few weeks or like for a few months or something like that. Yeah. It wasn't a lot, but that experience in itself was my, my first exposure to complex disability. Ah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I knew, you know, at that age too, I knew that it was just fascinating to me. I was just like, I, the, what you're, what, what you're doing and what you're seeing is so different to what, I do, yes, you know? Yes, And it was, that was kind of like a thing where I got used to, you know, not relying on people around them to say, oh, speak for them and stuff like that. I kind of got, that was in that moment, I kind of realized that, you know, it's a person in front of you. Talk mm-hmm. to that person. If someone needs to help them out, uh, they will. They so, will. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, yeah. We get that a lot with Tom because sometimes it's difficult to understand him. Mm-hmm. So it's funny when you're filling out forms and they say, does he need an interpreter? Well, he doesn't, but the people who talk to him do. Yeah, right. So, yeah. and <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because yeah. when you interpret for him the first time and just clarify what he's just said, because he thinks what he said's fine. Mm. Um, and then you clarify what he said to them. They go, oh, and then they start talking to you, not to him. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Right. Yeah. So the focus just shifts off. That's right, because right. they don't think they they then automatically think that he has an intellectual impairment, mm. which is what he gets all the time. Right. Yeah. Okay. But he doesn't. And yeah. as soon as you start thinking he's got an intellectual impairment, he's got you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've gone through that uh, small journey with Tom in terms of um, yeah, like at the especially the first I work with Tom, and initially there were certain things that like sometimes understanding Tom was a bit difficult, and I'd ask Tom to repeat whatever it was that he said, and I'm getting better now as well. But it's still there's like a whole gap between what I am able to understand, and then sometimes like I won't get it, mm. and Tom will turn to you and say it, and then you'll be like straight away, and I'm like how? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trust me, his voice changed about two years ago, and. Yeah. I struggled. I I then went to feeling what everybody else feels and it was mm. like I was learning to understand him all over again. Yep. And it was really difficult and I felt like I was failing as a parent at that mm. time and I would have to look to Grace and say, what did he say? Mm. Which felt really Weird. bad. Yeah. But because his voice had dropped, it changed how everything sounded. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's all subtle cues that you pick up on. Yeah. Those tiny little things. There was... um. Uh, a client of mine a while ago now, very funny man, uh, but he would run his words together, like just like that, nothing. Yeah. And at the start, you're just wide-eyed doing the, okay, I'm going to nod and we're going to keep on going because you're here to exercise and that's that's kind of the overarching thing that we have here. Yeah. But over time, then, you know, I'd start to have students that would come with me to sessions and 
just I could have full on conversations with him and people would look at me like what are you t- what's going on well you know? you know what when you guys become parents you'll realize that we call that toddler speak a lot of the time because right. you get attuned to your own kid or your own client ah, and I think yeah okay and it just takes you a little while like it did with AJ with Tom yep yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. I know it's really funny we're gonna have a baby so we're gonna figure it out together <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh dear <laughs> <laughs> I shall get you a baby goat <laughs> <laughs> that's probably better for everybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no cool so you currently work as a support coordinator for the NDIS, helping people find services and things like that. Would you like to go into that a little bit deeper and just uh, explain what that role is, I guess? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was working as a teacher aide, mm-hmm. special needs, and I got approached by a friend of mine who I used to do PNC work with. And she said, oh, I've taken on this new role as support coordinator. Would you like to come and do it with me? And I knew a little bit about what a support coordinator did, but not a lot. Sort of like an exercise physiologist. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Well, I find there's a lot of Get sync there between us because <laughs> people look at uh, the plan manager role and they think that they're the person that helps them with their plan, not the support coordinator. Yeah. yeah. But um, well, We kind of figured that out as well. Yeah. Like yeah. There's that thing where you're like, oh. I know, I know. And I mean, our scope of work is to link people with therapists and Mm. basically fill people's gaps and help them build capacity on their knowledge of the NDIS. So it's really good because when I did have Tom, I remember saying to Mark, and it was because I think I put it out in the universe that I've ended up doing this job. Mm. I said at the time, I really wish someone had given me a brochure at the time of what to do because it was hard enough as a parent being overwhelmed with all the day-to-day things, let let alone like planning and knowing what to do next. Yes. Because they change so much. Yes. And you don't really know what you need until someone suggests it, mm. but people are hesitant to suggest it. Because right, if they yeah. give you a suggestion about what you should be doing, they could be held liable. Right. Oh, yes. okay. That's what it is. Right. So, this happens a lot with parents, oh. with children with disabilities. Yep. So, I said, I wish I can help people. Yeah. Parents especially with children with disabilities. Yeah. So I ended up doing that as a teacher aide, but as a support coordinator, I have heaps more impact. Yes. Gotcha. In that scope. So I can actually help people learn what they need to do. Like simple things like just, you know, getting carers payment. That's a simple Mm. thing. Getting a companion card. Mm. There's all those things that we do on top of just linking with therapies that people Mm. don't really know about. Mm. We also help do reporting. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, we do a plan review report. Once we get all the reporting back from you guys and from the OTs and all the other therapists that come in, um, we collate all that information and then we present that to the NDIS for the parent or for the participant. Mm. Um, And it just takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah. It's such important work that needs to be done. And if you couldn't imagine if that wasn't available. It's also cool to realize just how many ways there are to utilize NDIS funding. And that's actually something that because I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of participants that you um, do support coordination for, and then I get this like secondhand information of ways that they've been able to utilize their funding. That's how I kind of find out about all these different things that you can do Mm. with your funding. Like I thought it was strictly like, go see an EP, go see OT and blah, blah, blah. And it's not that at all. Like there are so many avenues in which it can be used. Yeah, I think sometimes people get buried in the therapies and they don't remember that this is about achieving goals and this is about setting your goals with the NDIS and then being able to achieve them. So we basically link you in with all the things that can help you achieve those goals. And it's so nice to watch people live their best life. 
yeah. and actually start doing things on top of therapy so that the therapy benefits what they actually want to do. Yes. So actually reasons for therapy instead of just doing therapy. Yes, yeah. Mm. And I will, I will say that in my experience over the last five years or so with NDIS effectively helping people, that's, I've seen a lot more of that, you know, like seeing people get the cream on top instead of just always just trying to push to the surface they can actually enjoy themselves and go out and do stuff. And, and flourish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and yeah. live their best independent life. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. And that's what we, I think we all should be doing. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And if we can do that collectively in our roles, I think yeah. that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad to have ended up in a role like this mm. because I actually have so much more impact on someone's life and their outcomes. Yes. Because yeah. I didn't really get that as a teacher aide. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I worked, I worked under direction of a teacher and I worked with students, um, but I didn't really get to work with the families. And mm. it's something that we've talked about from my old work a lot. It'd be nice to include the NDIS with education mm-hmm. um, because they like to remain separate. But it would be great if it was combined a little bit more and also medical. So if we brought the medical, NDIS and the school together... I think we could get even better outcomes and a lot more early intervention so that they don't need us more when they're older. Exactly. Yeah. Are there yeah. avenues for you to push that already and start pushing that notion and that idea above to the people that can make that change? And Yeah, well, so my job's about relationships. You know, if I don't have the relationships with people, then I can't really start making those changes. So with the schools, it's about getting in at that ground level with the principals. People can, like, education can be funny because sometimes they don't want... outsiders coming in like outsourcing coming into schools Mm. and I understand that but I think it would be great even just to have information night for parents who've got more questions um what why why is that why don't they like uh outsourcing I I don't know I don't know sometimes like even yourselves I don't know if you ever tried to get access to a school to do therapies in schools I have known other therapists yeah um we've we've talked about it a bit uh we haven't uh, really push for it yet but there mm. there are other institutes that are against it that we have come across yeah yeah and I find it interesting I don't know if they I don't I don't understand why you would ever feel threatened because mm. um, as far as I'm concerned it takes a village to raise a child yeah. and if we're going to do it let's make it really good yeah, yeah you know yeah. let's 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 be the leaders in the world of of making this change and and you know if people need access to the NDIS let's have a, a group there that can help them do that mm. Yeah, you know, because that's one of the hardest things for people to do is get access to the NDIS. Yeah, right. What's that journey look like for someone to gain access to the NDIS? Okay. I've, I've heard a lot of, you know, just um, uh, anecdotal stories and things like that. But I guess your perspective, you'd have a, a lot of good information. Maybe. Well, I think it's probably one of the areas that they could make a lot easier for okay. people. Um, I I think they were bringing, looking at bringing in independent assessments there for a while. There's a bit of a buzzword about having independent assessments for plan reviews and things like that. And that's yes. sort of been put to the side oh, okay. um, from what I've heard. But what I think they should do instead is have almost like an independent assessment of people as they're applying for the NDIS. So that they get, say, an OT or a physio coming in mm-hmm. and make sort of like an ACAT assessment for aged care. They come in and they do an assessment of you. Mm. And then that determines whether you get access or not instead of – and that would be free. Yeah. Medicare covered. Yep. So like a health plan, an NDIS access health plan Mm -hmm. that they could get, you know, five different therapists to do assessments of them Mm -hmm. and then they could apply for the NDIS with those assessments. 
That, just, that just makes so much sense, though. Yeah. Well, it would make it easier. So it's, what is it now? So now you have to complete, um, you have to have a letter of diagnosis, which for some people is really difficult to get if you've oh, come through public system. i a story system. about that. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. You've, yeah and, and we all do have a story yeah. about letters of diagnosis. So mm. like we've had people who've had the wrong diagnosis on letters that we've had to get changed. Yep. You know, um, and that's a really difficult process because mm. as, an, as an adult, you, you've, that's a psychiatrist. How hard yeah, right. is it to get into a psychiatrist? Yeah, so I've never tried. Neither have I. Haven't needed it. Yeah, but yeah. didn't know I did. Yeah, yeah. Either. So, but when you're a child, it's a pediatrician. Okay. But that's still only par- partially covered by Medicare. So mm-hmm. you end up, you know, spending say I'm not. I don't know what the gap is for a lot of people, but say I'm going to give an instance here: two hundred and fifty dollars you pay for a consultation mm-hmm. to go to the pediatrician. If they need other. Um, Diag- like diagnostic or evidence yep. done, yep. that actually has to be done and then you have to go back to them. So that's another fee going back to them. And you only get, I think it's a hundred and something dollars back from Medicare. So depending on how, where you are and with this child at that mm. point, um, you're not necessarily got a lot of money to no. throw around because you're probably on one wage. Yep. Um, so it is really counterproductive. Yeah, absolutely. In that respect as well. Yeah, okay. So I've helped I, – I like in my spare time like helping people get onto the NDIS. Mm. Um, it took me nine months to get Tom on the NDIS and he had a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. That's obs- – that's in – I can't even – why? I don't know because months? that that diagnosis ticks a box. Is – you know, in, in disability terms, yeah. it ticks a yeah. box like Down syndrome, cerebral palsy. Like there's there's certain yeah, of course, there's yeah. certain disabilities that they recognise that you don't have to. But show. still took still took nine months. Nine months. Um, Is that quick? No. 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 I I sent off um, an application for um, a friend of mine the other day, um, and they got the results back in two weeks for a planning meeting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And but you got to keep in mind that things have probably changed. Since yeah, Tom true. applied as well. I guess there is, there's definitely times where people will be, oh, I've got my meeting coming up or whatever. And then they just keep pushing the meeting because they're like, we are just so overwhelmed with work at the moment. So it was just this backlog of all this stuff. And then everyone's mm-hmm. kind of looking to the side thinking, are we, what do we do here? You know, how do yeah. we go forwards? And that first bucket of money you get is only ever an initial bucket mm. because you would have to have all that evidence to get the extra funding. Yeah. Um, so, and that's what people don't realize as well. Mm. So that first, and they'll go, well, why did I bother? Right. And so, okay. well, there's a good reason. Let's go and get some more evidence. Hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I come in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So come in and get that extra evidence for people. And the opposite to somebody utilizing a support coordinator would be somebody that is self-managed. Correct. How often are you getting people coming to you who have been self-managed for a little while and then it gets to a point where... They're like, oh, shit, I could use some extra help here. Or how often do you see people that don't really know that support coordination is even a thing that they can be using? Again, it's that problem with support coordination plan management, the name of the roles. Um, they don't realise what a support coordinator does do or they think – or sometimes people think we do more than what we're supposed to as well, which is really interesting. Yeah, I've come across that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and we sort of uh, – you've got to be in your initial meeting with them, say this is what we can do for you. This is the role. This is the role that we take on in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, I'm self-managed with Tom. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, yeah. 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 yeah, of course you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the bu- you know, the buzzword around the NDIS is parental responsibility. Okay. So a lot of people who have children on the NDIS, parents 
don't get support coordination linked in because it's considered to be parental responsibility. Yeah. You know what? I've never really thought about this, but when I think about a lot of the kids that we see, a lot of them are self-managed. That's correct. Yeah. Right. Like okay. if, you, if you think back over yeah. like our thinking li- uh, yeah, yeah. list of people, yeah, yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of them are self-managed. Yeah, true. But yeah. again, it depends on the capacity of the parent. Exactly right. And yeah. If they've got care of burnout, mm. which is yeah. likely, they're in a you know? oh, they're in a yeah. world of hurt. Yeah. Oh no! Look, you're mourning for this perfect child that you don't have. Mm. You do. You go into a what state of mourning. F- yeah. Right. I was there. I know exactly yeah. what that's like. Yeah. Okay. You know, you've got this kid. Is he going to be able to play footy with his dad? Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's these things. You know, that my husband's very. He's football mad. Yeah. And, you know, it was that... by the way. uh, He is a Kiwi. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom does play football now, so how awesome is that? He refs as well. He referees now too. nice. Yeah. Mark does the calls for him and he does the hand signals and the whistle blowing. Um, So, yeah, he's... I know. How good. Yeah. yeah, How good. And we're about to get his support worker to start doing that with him next next year. Cool. Um, So, that's even better. Yes. And that's the thing though. And that's what the NDIS don't recognise is that parents need to be parents, Mm. not support coordinators and plan managers. Mm. They need to be freed up. They need that taken off them. And brothers yeah. need to be brothers. Sisters need to be sisters. Like Siblings, that. so important. Yeah. yeah. So important. Mm. That's really fitting, actually, because I was talking to you the other day about um, our participant that you uh, do support coordination for and you were getting a support worker in to work with not necessarily him, but to support his family because the whole idea of it was like, this isn't just about you as the participant. It's actually everyone mm. that's involved in keeping things going and keeping the ball rolling. Well, right. disability impacts everybody in the yeah. family. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's not just from, and from an insurance point of view, you want that family to be good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because yeah. you want them to have that informal support. You want them mm. to have the support of their family. Mm. But if they feel burdened, to support their family. That's not what you want. Yeah, no. And that's not what the family want. No. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy helping people get support coordination on their plans. And I really, I, I'm i going to change that over with Tom because he's about to get a bit more complex in what his needs are as well. Mm. So, and I'm a lot busier than I was before. And yeah, I deserve right. to have a job too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever come across, this is a bit of a side question, but have you ever come across some a parent or parents that, find it very hard to give that control or that power over to a support coordinator or something like that because they feel like they're not doing their responsibility as a parent or something like that is that something that yeah look that's really difficult and as a parent that's really difficult um Mm. we don't take over that's the thing Mm. support coordinators work in partnership with you plan managers work in partnership with you it's not that we're going to come in and take over i always call myself and this sounds a bit bad and I call myself the other woman. It's like having another person come into your house and just take that job away that's painful. That's what support coordinators do. So we can come in and schedule appointments. We can come in and find a new OT. We can come in and find a new exercise physiologist, Mm. you know, um, or even just teach you what an exercise physiologist would do in comparison to the physio, which people seem to have problems with. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, and it's educating them like that that I think is really important. And once you start giving them the information and information is power they go oh, okay so you're not going to do it all no 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 mm. you'll still be mum mm. you'll still be dad you'll still be auntie uncle grandparents mm-hmm. we just come in and help yeah 
and take away that pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm, Um, But, you know, even if they wanted to start working or driving, Mm. what would you do? If you don't know what to do and you've got to get someone assessed, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, where do you start? Just jumping back quickly, because like, uh, in Tom's case, things are about to become a little bit more complex. Is that just the transition from being a school-age student going into adulthood? And is that yes. the complexity that you're talking about? Yeah, it is. Because what happens with Tom is because he's got developmental delay with his speech, it's also caused him to be illiterate, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, all of his issues are about his expressive communication. So with his speech with his hands, with writing and with typing, it's really difficult for him. Mm. Um, And that's what they find difficult to assess him on at school. So in that basis, if he starts working, he's going to need a support worker with him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To help with that. Maybe it might be in the start, but, you know, it's almost like a return to work, but he's not returning. He's starting. Starting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Mm. and to find the appropriate workplace, Mm. you know, I've... How's that, you know, what have you started, has he started asking about, you know, does he want to start working at KFC or anything like that? Well, he wants to be a mechanic. He wants to be a mechanic. mechanic. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'm not putting him in charge of anyone's car, I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Coming back to parental control, that kid's never going to be in charge of someone's life. Like, we call him Tommy Danger for a reason. Oh, truly, okay. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, no, no. You know, I would hate to think that he didn't put the brake pad in the right spot or something. (laughs) That would be bad. Put his sunroofs, though. Yeah. That's what you could do? Well, he can... he could also work at a wreckers. You know, there's a lot of different things he could do. So it's just figuring out what his skill set's going to be appropriate for. Mm. Um, and we can do that a little bit as parents, but I do need, I will need help. And he also wants to be independent. Mm. Like these are his goals, not mine anymore. Mm. And that's the big change as well. Mm. When someone gets to 16, 17, 18, it's not really about the parents anymore. No. And that's Pass really hard. Well, it's really hard as a parent of a kid mm. with a disability. Yeah. Because you're used to being in control. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And how's he taking his, you know, this change? Has he realised that this is my time to shine and start uh, <laughs> causing more dangerous situations for himself? Or is he uh, he's happy what what he's doing? Or uh, I think we've preempted this a little bit cool. as well. And he yeah. has a pretty good social network already, okay. um, you know, with the touch football, with scouts. He does a lot of things outside of school. He has great time with AJ and his support worker as well, Keaton. Mm. So, yeah, he's he's not missing out at the his moment. Hands his hands are full. Yeah. Busy kids are good kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's yeah. just me. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, like you said, your role is essentially to find good supports. Um, how hard is that? I mean, part of the role. Oh, yeah, part of the role. Yeah, um, but how hard is that? And how much um, trial and error is that in finding supports? So do you reliable supports? I guess. Oh well, that's it, really. And you know, I put this back to you guys as well, and the other providers that we have. Um, that it's tried and tested. So mm. you know, we often only refer to people that we know are going to be good fits for our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of different people that we can refer to on our books. But it, again, it's a relationship. So mm-hmm. what you guys bring to the table might not suit some people, but, you know, you do most of the time. Um, so, <laughs> but you. Yeah, that's all right. But I, I think it's also the way that the companies we work with recruit because if we want to have ongoing and 
everlasting relationships with them, mm-hmm. we're going to need to be able to trust that the people that they're bringing on board mm. as they grow and evolve are going to be able to service our customers just as well as the people who originally yes. had time with. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's okay. But mm. it's just, it's interesting because it's the culture of the company and the providers that we work with mm-hmm. that we really look at. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we're definitely building a culture. Are yeah. we, Brittany? <laughs> Is it a culture with a K? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. No shortening of that word. Uh, Cool. So uh, you showed a lot of faith uh, to us at B Physiology in um, choosing us to, you know, as you said, for us to be um, the services that you you recommend to some of your participants. Yeah. Um, Before, you know, we had so much clout, uh, as much clout as we do in the exercise uh, physiology realm, um, Look, well, I guess what I'm trying to say, is there something that you do? Is that something that you are always looking for? Like someone new or someone, you know, how do you gauge finding people like Mm. us or like OT or like a speech or, you know, what's kind of your process of hunting people down that that fit the mould? Yeah, that's a really good question, Mm. in all honesty. Um, I came across you guys because you were referred to me, but it was on paper. It wasn't even a a verbal referral. I Mm. saw your name on a piece of paper and I thought, ah, exercise physiologist, right, I think that'll be – they've recommended this for this particular client coming – you know, from I think they were coming based from a hospital Mm -hmm. and this was on the discharge paperwork. And I've gone, oh, I haven't heard of them before. Gave you guys a call. The way you responded to me and the way you work with the client, I sort of, you know – it sounds terrible to say I felt you out a bit, but I did because, you know, I got um, feedback from Fill the client. The yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's part of the charm. Um, but, you know, the feedback I got from the client was really important from there. The way that you guys responded to me and you communicated with me um, showed me who you were as a company as well. Um, and that's really important. People don't realise the responses, the invoicing, things like that that make my job easier, mm. that you guys do really well. Mm. Um, that makes a really well-rounded provider for NDIS right. World. Yeah, okay. um, because if you don't understand that and you don't do it well, it causes me issues, which means more work for me, yes. which means you know I have to build the client more from my perspective, which I don't want to do. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Mm. Finding that... Yeah, that well-oiled machine that you know you can rely on, I guess. And it is yeah. because our relationship is just as important as the relationship with my client. Yeah. So the relationship I, I have with the pro- client's providers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've got to be mindful as well. That client might have providers on board at the moment. Um, you know, it comes down to things like reporting though as well. Mm-hmm. Like we've spoken about this before about um, the way the NDIS want reports um, put to them to as evidence to help us get more in packages for people. Um, and that's that's really important that I'm getting people who are doing the right sort of reporting for clients so that that's the best evidence I can put forward to the NDIS at time of plan reviews or change of circumstance. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um, I imagine that, uh, you know, someone who obviously has a lot of uh, uh, clients on the NDIS or participants on the NDIS, you were kind of here firsthand um, some of the, not necessarily concerns, but some issues that people have with the NDIS. And the NDIS is fantastic, like overall, absolutely fantastic. But like you said before, there are little tweaks that 
can or, or should potentially be made? What's something that you tend to get a lot of feedback on from your participants that you think, oh, this is something that I think we would want to look at sooner rather than later, if you could? Yeah, definitely access, like I was saying before. Mm. Um, definitely things like I'd like the NDAs to understand your role within within mm. a client's life better. Oh, we would too. Yeah, yeah. I really would yeah. because I'm part Absolutely. of those planning meetings where I hear what the uh, – the NDIS staff mm. have been fed from their bosses mm-hmm. and what their company line is to me when I bring up exercise physiology. Mm. Um, what they don't realise though is that you guys are almost filling two gaps for mm. the clients. You've, you know, the, the psychology that you bring to people, just the friendship that yeah. they get from you, that's the feedback I get from my clients, mm. is just as important and probably more important than having a psychologist because they're getting that happy endorphin by doing the exercise with you yep. and you guys are working through, you know, you'll talk about a lot of things in a session. Oh, yeah. Very you know? little exercise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like this exercise is being done, but in yeah. terms of verbal exercise chat, as far oh, as that, they're just minimal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. And yeah. that's, that's what I find the feedback I get from my clients about your services, that not only are you going in helping them meet their physical goals, mm. but you're also, they all, you also walk away and they feel lighter and better. Awesome. That's and that's, that makes yeah. me feel good. <laughs> yeah. and that's, but that's yeah. why I would continue to refer to you because that's what these people are requiring. They yep. don't necessarily need to sit across from someone and talk about their problems. Mm. They're happy to work side by side and talk about them. Yeah, right. That's yeah. such a good point. And I don't, understand, I don't understand why the NDIS don't get that. Yeah, right. And they also need to stop saying that you work under physios. That's the other thing that really annoys me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is weird. And we didn't really realise, really realise. Uh, <laughs> we didn't quite know that that was happening until recently, that mm. EP as a profession is not getting the same light. Well, not only is it not getting the same light, it probably was never really getting the same no. light, but now it's almost had like a dark light shone on it yeah. uh, with the view from the NDIS, which a does a shadow. Yeah, even in some, you know, the potential changes to the NDIS, there's been some problems popping up mm. for ex-physiology. And you're like, oh, man. You know, it's yeah. just like it's, it is a concept. But it's a thing. Like, it's just part of the job. And we'll, and we'll you know, we'll always do what we do and that's yeah. support what we do and yeah. support the people that we work with. So we are lucky in the sense that um, I'd say across the board, let's say 99% of not people that just work with us, but people that work with exercise physiologists do really enjoy the service as it is. So yes. the feedback from yeah. clients is always really positive. And that's the thing that I always push when people talk about going into a meeting and whatnot. And I say, well, if this is something that you want to continue, you need to make it clear that this is something that you want to continue because if you leave it up to their imagination, they're not going to pick it for you. Mm. Um, I sort of put it along the lines of parental responsibility. Yeah, mm. right. Yeah, right. Because really... No, it's not. Yeah, right. I'm a parent of a, ch- a neurotypical child and a child with a disability. Yeah. And if you seriously use the term parental responsibility with one more, me one more time, I yeah. feel like I want to headbutt you. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not. No, yeah. no parent with a neurotypical child has to do what I do for my non-neurotypical child. Yeah. And I hate saying those words, but yeah. that's what it really comes down it to. Is, yeah, I guess. Um, and, and no parent ever asks for that sort of responsibility yeah. with their children. Ever. Hmm. Just like no brother, sister, mother, father, carer ever asked for it for someone who acquires an injury as well. That, you know, they acquire a disability. And that's the way I see it with you guys. Like, you can't keep saying, you know, using parental responsibility as an excuse or this is the line we take for exercise physiology as an excuse. Hmm. You actually have to give each Kate merit on its own 
and see yeah. what that is actually doing for the client. Yeah. And that's really important because I don't want all the other therapies in if they're not required. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's the, and the, and I think we see that a lot. We see a lot of, a lot of people get overburdened with oh, services yeah. and to the point where we go, you might not need us right now. Yeah. So maybe, therapize. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe you don't worry about us yet. Maybe hmm. you finish doing that thing, what you're doing over there with the physio and the OT and everything. Cause every day of the week you're stacked up with things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, get in contact with us later on yep. if you're keen to continue this exercise kind of driven journey. Just because you guys um, have got integrity. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And you can see that they're probably doing too much. Oh. And, and, that's, and that's what I say to people. Just because that's there for you doesn't mean you actually have to schedule yeah, it that way. Yeah. You can schedule it whatever way you like. Yeah. Especially as uh, like if somebody has an injury later on in life and that's their access to the NDIS, you see a lot that like that like pedal to the metal kind of approach to therapy is like let's figure this out ASAP let's do as much as we can and you do have to have those conversations where you're like no this is too much like you guys mm. and outside looking in somebody gave me the metaphor once of like crab and uh, boiling water or something like that Ooh, here we oh, go nah, it's, like, it's, like when you, it's like when you Delicious. are in the water as it's warming up you don't notice that it's getting hotter but then if you touch the water from the outside you realise how hot it is and sometimes coming in and seeing that and you see how much therapy somebody is doing you're like this is a lot of therapy like you're right. doing way too much but yeah. they're thinking about it it's like just a little increase every time yeah. and it's like all of a sudden you're doing three things in a day and you're like guys yeah. slow down yeah, yeah 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 that's not what therapy is no yeah. it isn't what it should be no. well, you certainly don't want therapy to be your therapy to be your life, life yeah. which, is, which people get, especially after yeah. injuries. People get in that mind frame of if I'm not doing something therapeutic, mm. I'm going backwards and I'm I'm not going to be able to work again. I'm not going to be able to drive again. And I'm, I can't do this and I can't do that. Yeah, and that and and that's a normal human reaction. But they also get kind of fed that a little bit by by services they're like oh you're gonna need to do this we need to do that Mm -hmm. and they're like okay take me along you know to this journey they're just kind of getting dragged along and fatigue will set in well i just you know i think when you want to acquire an injury or a disability it's different to being born and we've spoken about Mm. this before it's different to being born with a disability if you're born with a disability you know no different yes whereas if when you acquire a disability you know what pre-Michelle was compared to post-Michelle mm-hmm. and you want to always get back to pre-Michelle. Yeah. But it's sort of like me saying at 48 that I want to look like I did when I was 18. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Seriously, never. You can't tell some people that though. <laughs> no, yeah. and I don't like to limit people either, but there's always going to be change. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And there's always going to be a new Michelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Michelle 4.0 or whatever I'm at at the moment. <laughs> But, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard because, see, Tom's always been told for someone who's been born with a disability, it's everybody else's problem, not yours, mate. Yeah, right. Whereas okay. when someone acquires a disability, mm. they're like, that's really my problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Stack it on them. That's yeah. 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 That is about that way, yeah. yeah. Cause, and he doesn't have any issues when it comes to self-esteem. So, uh, yeah. Who, Tom? <laughs> no. Yeah. no. <laughs> and sometimes I think we may have overdone that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm keen to meet him, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Mm. Um, I guess I kind of an off-topic uh, question. So you, your husband obviously is a Kiwi. 
Yes. 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 Um, I love him dearly. Hello, Mark. <laughs> yeah. He's listening right now. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, being a Kiwi, he's an avid rugby union supporter. Yeah, there's a group, the 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 Black Alls or the All Blacks or something like that. Oh. Supports. Like Blackals, I think yeah. it's All Blacks. Black, yeah. Black, Black Alls. The Black Alls. Mm. The mighty Black Alls. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> so it has they have Ma- a pretty impressive losing streak. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they lose at least one game every decade. Yeah, oh, yeah. so embarrassing. <laughs> so has Mark crossed the line from being a proud, loyal fan to a pretentious, cocky one? Oh, no, but his voice does change when he's watching them, so he becomes much more Kiwi. Oh, hell yes. Oh. I love that so much. <laughs> I'm so into that. But, uh. but he's not like – we got married, and you probably guys don't know this. Scots, we got Michelle. We got married, <laughs> we got, we got married on Bledisloe Cup. Of course you did. Of course what we did. What other night could you get married? <laughs> I know. And we had the big screen telly and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my whole family was there. Mark's whole family came over from New Zealand, which was really – lovely and um (laughs) we won australia won so i know i know i I think that was like the last time though so we were married Mm. 22 years ago no i'm but yeah anyway so you had me that were the golden years yeah you had me in my wedding dress best day of my life yeah (laughs) aussie 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 his his whole entire family didn't speak to me for a little while there So, Welcome um, to the family. Where's your accent yeah. now, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no accent. No accent. Just like, oh no. Uh, oh, and how's the cricket? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we start uh, talking about underarm bowling, and I'm just like, oh, for goodness sake. Uh, <laughs> Where do we draw the line? But here? funnily enough, my kids support the All Blacks. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's a you thing. You have to, yeah. yeah I, no, I they're with, Australian. Yeah, I get yeah. it. But I mean, like. It was a thing. I remember when we were kids, it was the same thing. If one parent, oh. and they, everyone lived in Australia, but of course they went for the All Blacks. And you're like, come on. Yeah. And also some some kids who both parents, you know, were avid All Black supporters. Mm. And, you know, they were born in Australia and they'd always wear Wallabies jerseys. And yeah. Like that. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I can't convince like them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm a leaguey anyway, so it doesn't really worry uh, me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, brought up in a very strong rugby league family, but mm. my family likes rugby union as well. They're all yeah. sport mad. So yeah. yeah, my brother and I in front of his family going Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And yeah, yeah. it was pretty interesting. Well, I always say like, put me in front of a live sporting event and just leave me there for a bit and I'll be fine. Oh, it's yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah. yeah. It's my <laughs> favorite thing. The atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And just, watching someone scream their head off for something that you know you know you you don't really have that much of a connection to anyway and like cuz I'll go to the I don't know the volleyball or something yeah. and then there's someone who's just ripping in I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah what she said <laughs> <laughs> You feed off that energy you know? <laughs> well another thing you probably don't know about me I went on the 94 kangaroo tour oh no way yeah it was really fun i was 20 wow yeah. 21. 21, actually, yeah, 21. What do you mean you went who, on the tour? Who, who isn't the like, um, well, traditionally with rugby league, um, we they would tour, uh, England would tour here, mm-hmm. and then we would tour there the alternative two years. So every four years we would go to England and Europe to play. Mm. Um, so that's a kangaroo tour. Like, yep. So I went on the... Wally Lewis kangaroo tour in 1994. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was a Sturlow tour, a Fatty Vorton tour and a Wally Lewis tour. That, and a Chris 
close. Oh yeah, Choppy close. Yeah, yeah he yeah. did. He did one that year as well. So, um, and it was great. We went to all. The, we went to Wembley. Oh, beautiful! Uh, you yeah, know, did all of those. You know, and yeah, just it was fabulous. iconic stadiums. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So it was really, really good. So I really wanted to always do um, the West Indies cricket. As well. Oh, that'd be phenomenal! Yeah, yeah. so just nothing better than seeing sport. Australian Open. I'd like to mm-hmm. go to Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Yeah. Well, you almost went to a. Uh, you went with the doubleheader a few weeks back until that Argentinian captain and a few of his mates went across the border. To, That's right. Yeah. 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 Stuffed yeah. us up. So yeah, yeah, I yeah we were going. That was going to be the first time I'd ever seen the All Blacks play live. Oh no way! I know. I was going to pop my All Black cherry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Although Mark's Technically, you already have. <laughs> well, he's still got his boots laced up under the bed. And he's just hoping for that callback. <laughs> you know, he's tackled a few All Blacks in his time. Oh, good. So, good, yeah. Good, good. But, um, but, yeah, no, he was. it was going to be the first time he'd seen them for over 10 years live. Yeah. So yeah. it was really disappointing. Oh, to yeah, go. But that's okay. Oh, these things happen. I know. Well, we, uh, we've, we've got to the end of the, the podcast. Uh, there is one more thing to do, and that is just to give your first initial impressions on this photo. <laughs> <laughs> just hold your finger down. Is that saying there? I have no idea. What's happened to your heads? <laughs> uh-huh. AJ, your head looks really big. <laughs> uh, and, you- <laughs> and you look like... Harry, that you've got, it's, yeah, you look wrong, out of proportion. <laughs> right. Everybody else has, like, faked a positive response yeah, to yeah. that question and you've just got Loved it. I'm yeah. so oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect. The best one we've heard. Yeah, just yeah. get close to Harry so I can just, mm, you know, your heads are about the same size. Yours looks way bigger than his in that one. Big alien I've head. I've leaning close towards the camera. It's probably the great Can't big open mouth. the show. Uh, <laughs> <It's> the <laughs> filter. <laughs> Britney's oh, super jealous about this photo. Are you photo. a couple? Yeah, well, well, in that photo we are. Really? Yeah. And outside of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Michelle, thank you so much for joining uh, us. Uh, it's been fantastic talking about all your uh, experience with so many things and uh, we enjoy working with you and look forward to doing so for the future as well. Fantastic. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed the latest episode of B-Stories. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And if you want to be part of B-Stories with B-Physiology, hit us up on Instagram.